Welcome to the Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. All right. Well, um, we're continuing in a series that we've been in for weeks now called Built Together. And uh, we're just talking about, we're exploring the fact that God builds his church. Um, We don't build the church. Hopefully we cooperate with what he wants to do, but he builds his church. And so in the first kind of third of this series, we just talked about um, the importance of community and some key pillars to community, um, that we be a worshiping community, which isn't, by the way, just, just about this. This is a beautiful part of it. It's a way of life where I look to the Lord first and foremost. He's the center of my life. And so then all that we are and all that we do flows out of worshiping our God. Um, That we're meant to be connected. We need to truly know each other, not just say, hey, I kind of attend that place. Oh, you do too, cool. No, like we're meant to be in relationship with the body of Christ in a local body, but we're a part of something bigger than this local body. And so we're meant to be in community and connected to the body of Christ. And then we talked about how joy and healing flow out of that, that we're meant to experience joy and be a place of healing and how all of this is about being rooted in the love of God. So that was the first third. Now we're, we're moving towards the end of the second portion of this series where we're talking about how we all have parts to play Um, in cooperation with the Lord, surrendered to his leading, but we all have a part to play in what he's building. We're meant to love and serve one another that his body might be built up, that folks who don't know him can come to know him, that folks who are walking with him can experience healing and growth, and that we can all find these unique ways that God has made us. He's gifted us by his spirit, that he's given us natural talents and gifts and abilities, and that we would operate in those. Um, And that the basis of that is honoring God and loving and serving one another. It's not about finding our identity in our gifting. It's not about making much of ourselves. It's also not about um, thinking too lowly of ourselves, like I have nothing to give or nothing to offer. Every single part of the body is needed and beneficial and essential. And it's actually a beautiful and good thing that we're all a little different. Now, that makes things hard sometimes, doesn't it? Okay, nobody agrees with that. I think it's hard sometimes that we're all so different. Makes it challenging, but it's, it's also wonderful. We need all of the different personalities, wirings, giftings. It's beneficial to the body. And so the last three weeks, we've, we've worked our way through the spiritual gifts. Um, we've primarily focused on Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and a bit in chapter 14. Um, many of you know, if you've been around at any point during those, that the next thing we were gonna talk about was Ephesians 4 and kind of the five, it's often called the five-fold ministry or these roles of leadership that help build up the church. And what I was gonna do was, was briefly talk about that here and then circle back after the first of the year because the last third of this series, we're talking about maturing. 
about how the body is, is called to grow and to mature. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna kind of pause Ephesians 4 and we'll come back to that in January. So listen, if you're not thinking that far ahead, maybe I'm the only one who is. Um, but we're gonna kind of put a pin in that and talk about how the whole body is to be equipped so that we might grow and mature and that there are some unique roles in the church that help do that. And so we'll talk about that more after the first of the year. So we got about two or three weeks left in this portion of the series. Then from Thanksgiving through the holidays, we're gonna do a little mini series just focused on Advent and just kind of go through that together. So that's a little bit of where we're going. So today we are talking about stewarding our time and our talent. Our time and our talent. We'll talk about treasure next Sunday. So everyone can be sure to come because we're going to talk about money and that's everyone's favorite topic in church. Yes. Um, so today, stewarding our time and talent. So here we go. We're going to just jump in, um, in Matthew chapter 25. I'm really only going to briefly look at this passage just to highlight a couple things. And then primarily we're going to focus on the story of the feeding of the 5,000 plus, I'll say. So here we go, Matthew 25, verses 14 and 15. Um, the context of this is that Jesus is having a long dialogue regarding the end times, regarding how things are gonna unfold. And so in the midst of that, he has this dialogue. For it will be like a man, this is starting in verse 14, going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his ability, then he went away. The story goes on to, to communicate that the person that was given the five talents uses them, puts them to use, and doubles them. And additionally, the one that was given two does the same thing, puts them to use and doubles them. And then finally, the, the individual that was given one was, was nervous or whatever, and so instead hid that one, saved it, did nothing with it. And now the return happens, and we, he begins to talk to the different servants about, okay, I've, I've given you these resources, this talent, this stuff for you to use, what have you done with that? And so looking first at the one who was given five, this is verses 19 and 21 now. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I want you to take note of that. Even the one that was given the most, it's still called a little. It's a good dose of humility we could all use. Um, you've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The story goes on and, and the guy who was given or the person who was given two is told the exact same thing. Well done. I've been able to set you over little. You've, you've done great with that. Now you'll be given much, enter into joy. The third one that was only given one Again, hit it, did nothing with it, and he got the harsh judgment. Like, hey man, you sat on that, you didn't use it. And so there's just a couple of simple principles of stewardship I wanna highlight here. I would encourage you to, to, to read through this whole passage and soak it up. Um, but a couple things. Number one, some principles of stewardship. Number one, stewardship isn't about being careful and miserly. 
Often we think of stewardship, it means like, oh, be really careful with it, don't use it. No, in fact, it's actually using it well, multiplying it. Notice what happens, what was given was used for the purpose of multiplying and having impact. And so stewardship is about recognizing what God's given us. So this morning we're talking about time, right? We've all been given time. We don't know how much, but we've all been given time. We've all been given talents, whether that's spiritual gifts or natural abilities or acquired skills. We've been given these things to steward. And it's about, am I using the resources that God has given in a way that has impact in the kingdom? And so it's, it's not miserly. The point is to, to faithfully use what we've been given that we can see it multiply. Um, the second thing I love about this is they were all given different amounts, but they were only judged based on what they did with it. See, the way we might compare to one another, you know, well, I don't have as much as that person or whatever. That's not the issue. Tend what the Lord has given well. And the judgment is, is the same. You're judged by what you do with it, not what you started with. That's why Jesus could look at the widow with the two mites, right? Putting it in and go, she gave the most. It's about how, how we tend that. And then thirdly, the one that was judged harshly, it was not due to the fact that he wasn't given much. It was that he didn't use what he was given. He walked in fear, he hid it, didn't use it, had no kingdom impact. So those are some basic principles. So I wanna give you a couple things to consider. And then, you know, I really wrestled with, with how to unpack this this morning. And so what I wanna do is I wanna walk through a story from Jesus' life and the disciples and just see if we can mine out some ways that we apply this of how we steward our time and our talents well. So a couple things to consider before we jump into that, all right? Number one, um, as it relates to talent, abilities, I would encourage you, it is worthwhile to give time prayerfully considering and even prayerfully dialoguing with people who know you well to just identify what your talents are. Be aware of them. Don't ignore it, right? That's what the guy did. He ignored it and kind of just hid it. God has uniquely crafted you and given gifts. And so tend, what are some natural abilities that you have? What are some acquired skills, the education that you've gotten, things you've learned along the way? What are spiritual gifts that seem to be operating in your life? Identify your gifts. And then secondly, consider how do I steward that with kingdom purposes? So I wanna give you um, some ways to think about this. Pay attention to people and place. Like where am I right now? Who's around me? Where do I have influence? That's a really good spot to be using my, my talents and gifts and abilities. You might feel like you're, you're really limited. Man, there's very few people around me. Great. You can have pretty deep impact with just a few if you, if you tend that purposely. So pay attention to people in place. I would also encourage you to prayerfully prioritize. Prayerfully prioritize. There's lots of good things, but what's the right thing right now? It's one of the hardest things. It's, it's so easy to just get caught up in all kinds of things that ought to be done. And I, I'm just aware of this in my own life. Maybe you've experienced it where I tend to pick up different roles, responsibilities, things without slowing down to pray and go, God, is this what you're calling me to step into? And so prayerfully prioritize so we can step into the right thing at the right time. Um, I'd also encourage you practice. Use your, your, your gifts, your abilities um, right where you are. 
use them. Identify them, use them. Um, I love this phrase a buddy of mine uses. Um, he says, don't worry, be crappy. I don't know if you're allowed to say crappy in church, but I just did. <laughs> but I love that, you know? It's like, don't worry, be happy is the phrase, right? But it's like, don't, don't worry, be crappy. Like, just, just kind of use it. It's okay if it's clunky or it's messy. Like, you gotta get there somewhere. I guarantee you, there were some wonderful middle school kids that, that, that sat through some really bad sermons that I preached years ago as I was just trying to figure out how to do this thing. You're probably thinking, Jake, we've sat through some pretty bad sermons <laughs> as you're trying to figure this thing out. Um, but don't worry, be, be crappy, practice. Um, and pay attention to special passions and things, all right? Secondly, time. Some things to consider as it relates to time. Um, as the great theologians... Old Hootie and the Blowfish once asked, time, why you punish me? And if you don't know that song, I'm sorry. Time, it's scarce. It's a scarce resource. It runs through our fingers like water, right? Like we can't hold on to it. I cannot believe it's November. Like the year just started. Is that just me? Time, it's scarce. Listen, time is a resource. It's a resource similar to money. Except for, here's the interesting thing, like money, we can run out of time, but unlike money, you know, we can collect more money. We can't collect more time. When it's gone, it's gone. So it is rare and precious. What am I doing with the rare and precious gift of time that I've been given? It's also temporary, which might sound like it's the same thing, but it's temporary in that when we enter heaven, when we enter eternity, it's no longer an issue because God is eternal and we will spend eternity with him. So here's the beauty of this. Because it's temporary, because it's th these days, these moments, these breaths that I have here, what better way to spend our time than to invest what is temporary into what is eternal? How much time do we spend investing in things that are gonna have no meaning when we enter into heaven? That doesn't mean there's not a, a place for um, various activities, things we might spend our money, our time, or energy on, but do we view them through kingdom lenses to impact people, because people are eternal, to glorify God, because he's eternal. And so let's use time, which is scarce and temporary, to invest in the eternal. So there's some principles, all right? Now, hopefully this, this will make sense. I just wanna work through um, this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the scripture. I return to it all the time. You know, as a kid, are y'all familiar with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? You know the basics, a couple fish, some loaves of bread. It multiplies and feeds 5,000 plus people. What I've learned over the years, I've looked at the stories, there's so much going on in and around this story. It shouldn't be set out as just this isolated moment on a hillside. Like there's a lot going on and there's a lot to be learned about how Jesus used time and his gifts and abilities and how he encouraged and taught his disciples to use their time and gifts and abilities. And so we're just gonna take some, some time to look through this. So I would encourage you, um, all four gospels share this story. We're gonna work our way through Mark's gospel and I'll reference at times Matthew, Luke, and John along the way. I highly encourage you to read these passages, okay? So Matthew chapter 14, 
Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 9, and John chapter 6. Read, read those and read around what's happening right before and right after. Lots of good stuff. So here we go. I want to talk to you, first of all, about time and talent as it relates to work and rest. Work and rest. Mark's gospel, chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. The apostles returned, just put a pin there. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Then he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. The disciples have returned from being sent out two by two. They were doing ministry. They were going into towns. They were teaching about the kingdom. They were healing. Like God was moving powerfully through their lives and ministry. They did that ministry work and they come back and they're lit up and they're excited and they're talking to Jesus. And he says, you know what we need to do? We need to grind it out and do a bunch more of that for a while. What did he say? We need to get away. We need to find a quiet, desolate place. We need to get away. And oh, I love this about Jesus. You know what he said we need to do? We need to rest and we need to eat. There should have been a way bigger amen right there. We need to rest and we need to eat. Like you need to slow down and be refreshed. See, work and rest go hand in hand in the king's view of how we spend our time. Sabbath. Do you ever think about the fact like God created the world in six days, right? What do you do on the seventh day? He rested. What day were we created? Six. We were created day six. So what did we do when we woke up for the very first time on our first day? We rested. He worked so we could rest. We don't work to earn the right to rest. We rest and we work from that place of rest. Y'all, this is countercultural to everything that we are told or modeled in this society. We're made to feel guilty when we feel like resting. And that's, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Rest, it's God's plan for us. You ever think about the fact like he designed us so we have to sleep. We have to sleep. Now, many of us don't do this, but we ought to be sleeping eight hours a night. That's what's really good for our bodies. Now, I haven't done all the math on this, but if, if there's 24 hours in a day and you sleep for eight of them, that's a third of your life that you ought to be resting. Plus, we're supposed to take Sabbath, plus there's extended breaks, vacations, sabbaticals, what have you. Like he hardwired us to need rest. I think he's trying to communicate something. Now, he also made us for work, right? There are those other two thirds of the day. There are those six days of the week. And so work and rest, it's meant to work together in his kingdom. 
This wasn't just a moment in time where Jesus is like, hey, things have been really hectic, let's take a break. This was a rhythm of life for him. Um, I love this. In Matthew's account, um, we're gonna pick up now. It, it, Matthew comes out a little bit differently. So Mark's account, the disciples have returned from ministry, victory, progress, taking territory for the kingdom. And Jesus said, hey, things are good. You've poured out, come and rest. Jesus, however, is entering this moment from a different mindset. Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, we're gonna put a pin in that, he heard something. When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. What did Jesus hear? In Matthew's account, Jesus has just heard that his dear friend, relative, beloved minister, John the Baptist, has died. And he hasn't just died, he has been beheaded. He's been martyred by King Herod. Jesus has just received devastating news. And he knows that what he needs is to get away. He needs to get away. He needs to be refreshed. Jesus needed to mourn and to rest. And this was, a, this was a habit and a routine in Jesus' life to get away and rest because for Jesus, rest went hand in hand with spending time with his father. What he associated with rest was, was practical, tangible, physical, like stepping away from people for a while. All the introverts said amen. Um, but it was not just detached from everything. It was detached from everything to be attached right here. To be refreshed and restored in the Father's presence. So whether he was tired because he'd been working hard and successfully in taking territory, or he was, he was mourning because he was hurt and grieving and wounded, he got away and he rested and he found himself refreshed in his Father's presence. This is a habit in his life. We see, we see another example of it in Mark's gospel. Chapter one, verse 35, this was Jesus' habit. And rising very, in the, in, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Friends, as it relates to time in the kingdom, we need a healthy mix of work and rest. And rest is to restore our health, Rest is to restore us as we fulfill kingdom purposes. Rest is to be connected with the king. Work and rest. That's what we need, all right? Number two, stewarding time and talent, time and talent um, also involves tending opportunities to love well. Tending opportunities to love well. Back to Mark's gospel, picking up right where we left off. So they're tired, they're exhausted from work, from challenges, from good things, from hard things. They wanna unplug and be refreshed. Verse 33, now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. This is like our kids, right? Anybody got little kids in the house? Moms, how often are you just ready to sit down for two seconds, take a rest and like, here comes the pitter-patter of feet, right? It's like there's a special radar. If you're, if you're gonna sit down for a minute, suddenly they need something. Yeah. So these crowds sensed it. <laughs> and 
And so they ran and chased him down. Verse 34, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he was annoyed by them. No, he's Jesus. He's not me. I'd be super annoyed. He's not annoyed. He has compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus saw the need right there in front of him, people in need. He had compassion and he ministered. Mark focuses on the fact that he teaches. Matthew focuses on the fact, if you look over at his gospel, that he healed those who were hurting. And classic Luke, right? He just sees the whole big picture and brings it together. Luke in his gospel, um, chapter nine, verse 11, records it this way. When the crowd learned it, they followed him. And I love his wording here. And he welcomed them. He didn't just have compassion on them and tolerate them. He welcomed them. He saw their need and he welcomed them in. And he spoke to them of the kingdom of God. And he cured those who had need of healing. I love that. That's that's the mindset of tending opportunities to love well. We see the people God puts right in front of us. We see where they are and what they need. This doesn't ignore what we've already said. We need rest. But we tend the opportunities, the people that the Lord brings our way. And see, Jesus is aware and sensitive to what they need. And so he tended their needs. He welcomed them. He embraced them and he met them right where they were. Some of them, man, they just needed to hear some good, solid direction for their life. And so he taught them about what God's kingdom was like and how they could walk with the Lord. Some of them came hurting, wounded, just as Jesus is hurting because John the Baptist has been killed. People came to him hurting, wounded, and he saw them and he tended to their needs and he healed them. Stewarding time and talent well is about um, being open to holy interruptions and being motivated by love. See, if we're motivated by love, then we can use our gifts to tend well the people around us. Y'all tracking with me? All right, number three. When using, when stewarding our time and talents, we need to seek Jesus for how to use them. We need to seek Jesus. Whatever the need calls for, we need to seek him for his solution. See, what's, what's really easy is the longer we walk with the Lord, the more aware that we are of like some of the gifts and talents we've been given. And the more we are aware, even of how we ought to use our time, right? Like if we lean into this idea of stewarding our time well, the, especially the organizers in our midst, the, con, the control freaks, I can say that because I'm talking about myself, right? We can start dialing it all in really good. Here's how I can maximize my time really well. Here's how I can redeem and steward the time well. And I've got a real sense of how God's wired me and made me, so I know where to apply that. And if we're not careful, we can just move into the territory where, okay, Lord, thanks for the gift of time, got it. Thank you for those gifts you gave me. Now I got it from here. And I can plan and order and structure things. And God loves to just blow that up. He loves to put us in situations that are so beyond us to get us out of our own little safety sense of control and management to go, will you, will you seek me? Will you rely upon me? Because you're gonna need me in this moment. And so here's these people that need tending to and Jesus is ministering. Now we pick it up, verse 35 in Mark's gospel again. And when it grew late, his, his disciples came to him. They're like, hey, remember that whole rest thing? Remember the we're tired and hungry thing? Now it's grown late 
And they said to him, this is a desolate place. Remember, you told us to come away to a desolate place. We're there. (laughs) We're ready. This is a desolate place. And the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Boy, these guys are just really sensitive to the needs of others in this moment, right? You get tired, you get hungry. Suddenly, other people's needs really don't seem that important. You know, they can go figure it out. They can go somewhere else. They can buy what they need to eat. We're hungry, we're tired. So what does Jesus do? He answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? They're like, are you kidding me? Like we did the whole leave everything and follow you. We're out here in a desolate place. How are we gonna pay for a meal for 5,000 plus people? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five loaves, two fish. Jesus says, you feed them. Oh, you're overwhelmed by the situation? You don't feel like you have nearly enough resource? Well, why don't you identify what you do have and then come back to me with that? Let's see what we have to work with. I love the way John's gospel unpacks this. You know, I feel like John often catches these little nuances. I kind of assume it's just his proximity to Jesus, right? Um, the one Jesus loved. And so he hung close and he caught all the little nuances. And so I love how he tells the story. All the other gospels tell it in kind of broad, a broad sense, uh, somewhat similarly, but, but I love this. In John's gospel, he starts to tell it from Jesus' perspective. This is John 6, verse five. Lifting up his eyes, this is Jesus. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. Guys, we might get in situations where we are very surprised and very overwhelmed and very uncertain, but he knows exactly what to do. But he'll purposely let us get in those situations like just to kind of see how we're gonna react. And so I love how he just invites Philip and says, hey, buddy, what, what would you do to solve this problem? What do you think? And Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. Like he's so practical. See, Philip sees the problem and the lack of resource. And I would say accurately, by the way, right? The money people are always very accurate. We know what we got. We, don't, we know what we don't got and we know how much it costs and uh, there's a gap here, right? Sees it very practically. He knows exactly what the lack is, but also in the same way we often do, especially like fellow Americans, when we see kingdom problems, we often look for financial solutions. And his go-to thing was like, well, how are we gonna put some money behind this to deal with this? And by the way, we don't have enough. And I love, I love Andrew here. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother said to him, there is a boy. I love this. There is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? See, I like to think that, that Andrew's figured out how Jesus operates a little bit. Jesus is a great question asker. 
He gets people thinking. And so what does Andrew do? He identifies what very little that they have. And he comes back to you and says, what do we do with this, right? He comes back to the master. Here's this little, I don't know what to do, but here's what I got. What if we lived a little more like that? When time is stretched thin, when resources are running out, what if I would look at what sits in front of me, my family, my church community, our, our job, my vocation, and go, Lord, I don't know what to do right now. I see the scarcity. I see the great need. Here's what I got. What should we do with this? What if we would come to him, the one who knows exactly what's needed and who can work miraculously to meet the need. And so Andrew sees the resource honestly and he brings it to Jesus. And then Matthew's gospel just captures the solution in a simple and straightforward way. Matthew 14, verses 16 through 18. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. That's how we steward our time and our talent well. We identify the need. We identify what we do have, small and insignificant as it might seem. We identify what we do have and we bring them to Jesus. And we let him direct us because he's the multiplier. He's the one that can maximize. Right, all the way back to where we started, the guys with the five talents, it's like, Lord, you give me these five. I don't know what to do with it. What should I do? And trust his guidance because he's the multiplier. Last point. God wants us to participate in these miracles. See, when, when we're living with the mindset of stewarding our time and our talent for kingdom purposes, we get to participate in some pretty cool, miraculous things. Verse 39, back to Mark's gospel. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups and on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. I mean, that's the first miracle right there. <laughs> he got all those people organized like that. Verse 41, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven he said a blessing and he broke the loaves and gave them to disciples to set before the people and he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied. I love that. They all ate and were satisfied and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Matthew records that was 5,000 men plus women and children. So you could be at 15,000 real quick. There's a lot of people. And I love some of the observations we see here, right? Um, we, we went through the spiritual gifts over the last few weeks. Like there's the gift of administration, organizing thousands of people, sitting into little groups that are more manageable, delegating the distribution of the food out, right? See, things that we would identify as so simple and practical, they're gifts that God gives us, the ability to do that. We see the supernatural miracle at work as well. I, I love this, the practical gifts amid the supernatural miracle. 
when we bring the little bit that we've got, we get to watch it multiply in our hands and we're going, God, I don't know how you did this. Like, guys, I, I find myself regularly coming back to a place of complete awe at what's happening in our local body right now. We've been here for eight years and about on average, 280 to $300,000 comes in in a year. This summer, we gave a six-week notice to take an offering so we could try to buy a piece of property with cash and maybe help fund the remodel. And in, with six weeks notice, it, we're now up to the number we asked for. We had another 10 grand come in in the last week or so. $350,000. I know our books. <laughs> and those who know are laughing with me. <laughs> I know the lack. I'm not black, but you get what I'm saying. I know the scarcity. I know the tension that we live in. I know what it's like to be planting a church and just kind of, we're right there, Lord. Okay, we're breaking even. We're hanging on. Y'all, I can't even wrap my head around that. In six weeks, the amount of money that came in is more than we've ever gotten in any single year. What is that if not a miracle? And listen, I've said this before, but I need to keep saying it. This has nothing to do with anything brilliant that I did or Alex did or our elders did. Like this is just a complete, what in the world, Lord? We just kind of did this. Here's what you've given. Here's what you've put in our hands. We just trust him. Friends, he does those kind of miracles. He miraculously heals marriages that feel like they're on the brink. When I look at every resource that I've got or my spouse has, we got nothing. But we bring in the little bit that we got and we watch him work a miracle. Because this isn't all about money. It's about people. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about him loving and caring for people. And he's looking for people that are his kids who would say, God, I want to learn to steward well what you have given. And I want to participate with you in reaching people for your kingdom. Look what you have done and what you are doing in my life. And you would let me come alongside you and cooperate with the miracles that you are up to in the lives of other people. Wow. He invites us in. I cannot wait to get to heaven and ask those disciples, what was happening in your hands? Like, have y'all thought about that? Like Jesus broke the bread and broke the fish and they're handing them out. And it's like, did they go like this and then the same amount is still there? I mean, did they watch it miraculously form in their hand? Like, what were they seeing? We bring what we have to God and then what he blesses, he will multiply. They brought the little that they had. Jesus blessed it and broke it and gave it. We bring the little we have. We watch him multiply. And in God's kingdom economy, for those partnering in ministry, I want you to catch this. Because so often the mindset in ministry is I just give and give and give and pour out and pour out and pour out. And nothing is ever given back. I'm not cared for. I'm not seen. I'm exhausted. I'm running on empty. And that's the right thing to do. But in God's economy, 
what he plans for those who are partnering with him is that even in their sacrifice and their serving and their participating in the miracle, there is more than enough overflow to satisfy all. Remember we started with tired and hungry disciples? Guess how many baskets of leftovers there were? Did anybody catch it when we were reading it? 12. How many disciples are there? Sure, I'm sure that's a coincidence. I'm sure Jesus wasn't trying to communicate something very clearly to them. You're seen, and I've got more than enough for you. I've got more than enough for you. It'd be very easy to stop right here, but I think there's one more thing we're supposed to see, and so of course we're gonna return to John's gospel. John 6, first of all, in verses 12 and 13, he records kind of something similar to what we just read. When they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. I love that. The master lets nothing be lost. No one be lost. He sees those who have labored and served and sacrificed. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments, fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Now, I want you to see what happens here in verses 14 and 15. We need some of this. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that he grew again to the mountain by himself. He returned back where we started. He gave, he loved, he served, and then he rested. And I just wonder how many people in ministry, when something like this takes place, what's the mindset? Well, we gotta try to ride this wave to further launch our ministry into all new territory. Other people wanna just see it repeated and more and more. But Jesus knew his true purpose and he trusted the Lord's timing, not man's. So he didn't strategically ride the wave to launch his ministry into all new heights. He was present in the moment to honor God with the time that he had been given, with the gifts that he had been given. He did it in partnership with his disciples. They met the need, they ministered to the people, and then they got exactly what they needed. They got food and they got rest. Friends, after the miracle, there's always a question of what do we do next? And sadly, we try to then keep making miracles. And instead of writing just the gift of what God has done and is doing, we try to grab hold of it and steer it. He loves us and he sees us and he wants us to learn the beauty and the gift of stewarding our time and stewarding our talent for his kingdom purposes. And there's some pretty special things along the way that we can experience when we walk with him, when we learn from him how to work and how to rest, when we learn from him how to tend opportunities to love well, when we learn from him how to come with, with our scarcity and our lack, even in the face of really strong odds, to watch what he'll do 
And friends, we get to see God work miraculously in our lives and in the lives of other people. Anybody else want to live like that? Man, I sure do. I need his help to live like that. It's so easy to grab the wheel and have my own agenda, my own thoughts on how I ought to manage my time and what I ought to be doing. But there is a gift in his lordship. There is a gift in learning to trust the king with what we've been given. Because my time is not mine. My talents are not mine. As we'll see next Sunday, my money is not mine. It's a gift that he's given and he's just asking me to tend it well till he returns. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're just in awe of you. I feel like this whole morning has just been about seeing how incredible you are, being in wonder, gazing at you. And Lord, what a gift that you invite us close. You invite us to come and to learn from you. Your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. Thank you that we can come to you and we can, we can walk with you learning how to steward our time and our abilities well. Walking in relationship with you, loving others well around us, and God, investing those things that are temporary into what is eternal. God, we need your help with this. Lord, would you help us to identify our gifts, our callings, our abilities? God, would you help us to recognize how we can steward time well. And Lord, would you, you help us learn to just, for this to be a daily thing, like not something we figure out and program, but just a daily walking with you, taking you by the hand and learning how to steward what you've given us well. We love you, we need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen?